wish you knew more stuff. Wish you were more helpful around the house or had an understanding of something that people are talking about at a party. Don't worry, you're not alone. That's why we have enlisted Skillshare to help you out. That's right, Skillshare is a proud sponsor of the A7FL and the A7FL's three-on-one podcast. We want you to get in on the good stuff now. So go to the link right below in the description or wherever you're watching this or go to a7fl.tv slash podcast. Click the Skillshare link and you get a free 30-day trial because you are a fan of the A7FL. So do the thing. Head on over right now to a7fl.tv slash podcast or click right in the description below if you're watching us on YouTube or if you're listening to the podcast right now. Do the thing. Click the link in the info below and sign up now. Do 30 days free because of us here at the A7FL. Well, because because we love you. We want you to have cool stuff. And now back to this piece of A7FL content, more than likely showing my face. NFL three-on-one podcast. I'm your host as always, Matt Ryan, and joining me on the pod this week, you know him, you love him, he's my quarterback. He is Corey Hammond, a clean-shaven Corey Hammond. Corey looking young and virile, and I look like I sell boom boxes outside of various Canal Street locations in the late 1970s. Young is a stretch, Matt. Young young is a stretch. What? (laughs) Younger. Younger. Young-ish? Maybe? You look like a young-ish Smith from the Knicks. But we are talking all things A7FL. Big Rob Fabian will join us a little later on in the podcast. We've got some voicemails at 516-387-A7FL. You can check that. And uh, we are going to be talking about the championship, the awards that just came out over the last couple of days. We're going to talk about the all-pro team, the all-A7 teams that I talked about last week on our short podcast. I'm going to talk about the Snow Tribe OTAs. Corey, we were at those Snow Tribe OTAs. Uh, it's about to be over a week ago now. Quattrell Huffin being there, Trey Baskerville being there. I know that you have this running gag on the A7FL Nevada Facebook page, which is basically a message board for players and people in the division. And you... Kind, you you troll them with kindness, and you I, talked I would, about the. Well, I would frame it as the three-on-one daily appreciation post because that's what it is. That's what it has been. Um, it's going strong. I think uh, the the reactions have always been great, and it's going to continue. But what what was the what was the point, Matt? I I was getting there before you 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 gave more exposition to my exposition. Uh <laughs> When we talk about super teams and we get into this argument, and I know Casey Cox wants to call them powerhouses for a reason I think that is stuck in the NCAA college game from the early 2000s, if I'm recalling correctly. But Trey Baskerville, Defensive Player of the Year, Quattro Huffin winning his second MVP in three seasons. Those two guys together, does that constitute a super team, Corey? Or is it what we've been talking about with the Insomniacs 
since we saw this iteration in the preseason of 2023. When you have depth and high-level starting athleticism at key positions, especially quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and they had Matt Kenny on the offensive line. Well, I think you call it a, a powerhouse. You call it a super team. You call it a, a combination. You can call it whatever you want. What we're talking about is a an A7FL roster that if you took and split in half, you could field two competitive, maybe even playoff level, championship level teams. I would I would challenge anybody that disagrees that the Insomniacs are relatively close to whatever we're calling that to look at that roster and say, could we take Scooter Hamilton, Trey Robinson, the two quarterbacks, and fill in everything else? Now you might be you might be short on a couple positions, but I'm pretty sure if you could put Davick on one team and Munchie on the other, and then at running back when they were full staff, you put RTC on one side and, and Devontae Carter on the other side, and you split up Matt Kenny and that Oose, and, and you start talking about the defensive players. You know, we're starting to talk about two pretty competitive, especially in the Vegas division, Vegas teams built into one. We've talked about the TMNT, the Turtle Hawks, and more specifically in A7FL, we've talked about the pit bosses, and the kryptonite. So call it what you want, KC. If you feel more comfortable and not calling it a super team just to shy away from it, let's list the top players at each position in the division. And you're going to see a lot of insomniacs up and down that list. They're probably the most dominant roster per, like compared to the rest of their division that we've seen in the A7FL. But this is not something new, Matt. You go back in the history of the A7FL, the Chiefs, when they won their championship, they combined with a team that had already won a championship in the Bombers. We called that a super team. Uh, you go to the U. The U, they've had, in, in their most recent run, a lot of guys from the championship BIC team, some guys from the championship Immortals team that beat them in 2019. And, and a lot of those guys made up the super team, in air quotes, uh, championship 2021 U. A guy we talk to a lot probably knows a lot about that in Big Rob Fabian. But let's just put that, that aside and answer your direct question, Matt. And I'm sure the court counter is getting a lot of work today. <laughs> two players, it broke. You, you broke the fucking thing. Two players at the top of their position does not make a super team. Those are two huge additions. Let's just, let's just play out the scenario. Snow Tribe gets Huff. Snow Tribe gets Trey Baskerville. Both are huge difference makers on their perspective sides of the ball. And I think most importantly about Quattro Huffin, I was talking to Kenneth Stewart earlier this week. Huff brings a lot more than just his actual talent and, and playmaking ability. He brings the attitude. He brings the, the competitive spirit. He brings an offense that works against defenses in our league. There's a lot more that comes with a player like Huff than just the ability to throw and run. Trey Baskerville is a similar way. He doesn't necessarily affect the play calls or, or, or the, the kind of ingenuitive way that Huff approaches our game. But he's a difference maker whether he's making a, a, the actual play or he's on the field and you have to account for it. So those are huge. But I'll ask you this, Matt, just to put you in the, in the corner. You put Huff and Trey on Snow Tribe, and with the rosters currently set the way that they are, are they are is Snow Tribe favorite against BIC? 
No, because I think it goes back to that depth question. So, because so a super tra- team is what you're saying, Matt. That's the exact thing that a super team is. It's not just that yeah. you have some of the best, if not the top players at a lot of different positions on the starting line. You look at the Insomniacs, when they went to their second defense or their second group of, of skilled position players in the offense, there's not really a step down. Even when they went from, like, RTC, give him a breather, who they put in? They put in Trey Robinson. Or, or they put in Tone Smith, and both are very good and obviously capable running backs to give RTC a little bit of a breather. That's up and down the roster for the Insomniacs. That's a great team. And when we continue on into the future of the A7FL, maybe we can put into context how great that team was once we see how all of those individual players' careers kind of play out with more than just the one season. The Insomniacs were really good is the point. Um, the Snow Tribe, <laughs> with, the, with the addition of two players, I think that that Snow Tribe team is maybe the second best team or the third best team in the Northeast. But it's, it's not a super team. I'd say this. When you take the rare breed, a Final Four Baltimore team, and you combine them with the best pieces of the Gators, a Final Four Baltimore team from 2022, both of those teams, the Watchmen are pretty close to a super team. So, I mean... I would love to see how Snow Tribe continues to build on this if this is what the actual moves are. But let's be clear. We don't even know if these are the actual moves or if these are just guys kind of playing out and feeling out their free agency. I think, Matt, the super team would be if you take either that Baltimore team, combine them with the U. There was already a lot of U players on that. Now, I haven't heard that rumor. I haven't thought that rumor would ever happen. I'm just saying, if you're to answer your question, that's what a super team is. You take team A, you take team B, and basically they're, they're two of the top teams, the top co- competitors in the division. Now, now that you have the best of both worlds and you have the best pieces put together, you can mix and match. You, none of the guys are getting tired. If you took the Tampa Bay Nightcrawlers and combined them with the Watchmen, that's a super team. If you take the Tampa Bay Nightcrawlers and give them Matt Penny and A.J. McQuaig. Now, that's a really good team, and they were already really good before those guys. Now they have an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman that can make a difference. That might put them over the top, but I still wouldn't say that that's what, that's what consists of a super team. And as I sit here looking like David Crosby uh, on the cover of Sweet Judy Blue Eyes, my question to you, Corey, is twofold. The the first one is who who gets mad at being called the super team? Like uh, I understand the underlying psychology of of it possibly cheapening a championship. Like I know you would probably get frustrated at the designation of being on a quote unquote super team. And when you look ahead at all these other teams and players getting mad about that. At the end of the day, who gives a shit? Like, I, and this is me being a complete and total outsider. I'm not an athlete. I'm a fat man who yells at a television alongside athletes. Yeah, I am undefeated. Never lost. Uh, big ball of brand over here. I'm going to get one of those shoes that explode. But when it comes to, I didn't explode. They just never came on time and they were always wrong. They did ruin Lonzo Ball's career. Shout out to Zach Morgan, the Vogue, in our ear. Not sure about yours. And we have Savage Cole waiting in the chat. He'll be joining us in a moment to talk Snow Tribe OTAs. But 
Corey, why does that designation irk people so much? Is it what I'm saying? Is it that that cheapening of a championship? Is it because it's it's there's some sort of con- negative connotation alongside that? And also, how many pieces away are a snow tribe from being a quote unquote super team if they do get Huff and they do get Trey? Well, get the Corey counter ready for this one. Ready? Yes. End answer. Record. <laughs> Boom. Let's go. No, but seriously, let's let's give it to the, the right amount of talk. Now, did I just break the Corey counter because it expected me to go, uh, you know, three minutes and I just gave it a, a workout of three seconds? But to answer your question, guys get angry with Super Team because it puts into perspective what it took for the Super Team to win. They, they as current as as previously constituted, the way that the Vegas teams existed in the spring and fall, leading up to the season, the argument would be is that there was not a roster constituted in a way that they could win a championship. So what did those players do? They combined a lot of the the component parts and pieces of, of two whether you you take it from the flag angle or you take it from the fall championship angle these are these are these are the combination of two relatively successful groups of guys that were familiar with each other and that's what i constitute in a lot of ways as a super team but i think what gets to people is that when you say super team what are we really saying in a negative connotation we're saying that you weren't good enough without these extra guys help whether we're talking to the kryptonite, the pit bosses, or if you look at the flag angle, the TMNT or the turtle hawks. Now, who cares which of those two teams, but that's what I think that that feeling comes from. Now, you see some of the free agency moves that we've had already in Vegas in the off season. Trey Robinson, a guy who on the other side of the ball show explained when he was on the pit bosses, why he didn't go to the force in year one of Vegas is that he wanted to beat the best. Now the Insomniacs are the best, the team that he helped create, that he joined in this offseason, that, you know, taking the parts and pieces from the pit bosses with all that was going on, the kryptonite, the flag teams. Look at Trey. Now he's won the championship. He wants to branch out and kind of prove something. Just like we saw from Huff last year, branching out from the U and proving a lot to us, joining a team in the animals, creating something from, you know, not nothing, nothing, but nothing. As far as wins, the animals didn't have any in 2022. So I think what what guys that might be upset with that are are either, you know, not not set up to really be effective football players. Not to set themselves up, not really be effective football players. If you're going to take the word super team and all of a sudden you're upset, if you want a championship, be like Rob. Rob doesn't care what you say. He wouldn't show up to play ass teams, and and he'll 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 get his own back uh, when he comes in uh, a little bit later. But first of all, who cares? What's your call? You want a championship? But just like we talked about with with BIC, what's going to be interesting is is how this super team coexists with each other in the off season and next spring. Do they stay mostly together? Is it still kumbaya? What if David Clark starts getting more attention 
than Munchie, or Munchie gets more attention than David Clark, or the guy who made one of the biggest plays of the game, the wide receiver smooth, that scored the touchdown right before that half on that post corner. What if he's not getting any playing time because the receivers in front of him are great? That's when we start to see that super team thing become more than just something that they're bothered by and something that actually affects the way that guys, you know, prepare for an A7 NFL game on Sunday. And well, as far it, it as- comes back to that idea. Oops, sorry. That I just really quickly on your point, the disease of more, which is a big part of the book of basketball by Bill Simmons, kind of taps into the root of that. And, and that makes a lot of sense, Corey. I, I just I look at it from the we are here to win thing. If we can win the thing, awesome. Like if we yeah. won an Emmy, I'd be happy that we won an Emmy. If we won it for like best football analysis by a long-haired man with 17 kids, I'd be happy my buddy won something. I couldn't but, without you guys, though. That's for sure. <laughs> but to, to go back to your what you were saying, Corey. Yeah, and then, and then that was the whole Corey counter on the first question you asked. But then, then we, let's shift it to the, the snow tribe. Let's add Huff and add Trey just for S and Gs. For things and giggles, right? I'm trying to be, you know, more. No, I'm, I'm proud of you. That was good. That was well, good. I'm, coach, was I'm good. coaching eight-year-olds now. So in general, I just have to curse a little bit less. <laughs> Sorry, kids. Moms. Um, the Snow Tribe, they have a lot of the pieces. They have a lot of the talent. But what, what we're missing is, 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 yes, the Insomniacs kind of put together uh, like, a, like a group of guys Kind of like, all right, let's let's put this together right before the season almost started because the fall ended in the end of February. The season started in April, um, end of March, excuse me. So that roster thing is very important. But I think what people are forgetting is, is that to win a championship is more than just let's line up with the best guys. Because let's say the Snow Tribe get all, a bunch of pieces that on paper look great. It also takes the work, right? I mean, let's not get it twisted. The Insomniacs, even though that they may be the super team, right? And let's just not shy away from that word, Casey Cox. It's a super team. The fact is, is they also had the chemistry because those guys have been playing football together for years. But I'll, I'll, put, it, I'll put it out there like this. There's a team that's won an A7FL championship in our league's history that came in in approximately 2015, 2016. They were, uh, you know, a, a Ska Mook flag championship team. They thought they would be one in, year, in one year in the A7, win the championship, and, and, and check out. And that's the Immortals. And it took them five, I think four or five years to finally win. Now, credit the Insomniacs for winning this time. And I think that they're a, a legit team. And even if you split that team apart, those, those, those groups with the chemistry, they're championship level. But let's not get it twisted. Snow Tribe puts together the best roster in New Jersey. They still got to figure it out by doing the work because championships require more than just talent. Chemistry, dedication, and at the end of the day, when your back's against the wall, the Insomniacs could have, you know, they could have laid down and just lost to the the Nightcrawlers. And when it mattered, they didn't. So, you know, the the Snow Tribe, they they need to build the way that you should build but also know that there's a process. And if they don't, if they have the best roster in the Northeast and they don't win the championship, for instance, the Watchmen, they had a really great roster. 
they should be proud of themselves. If if they if they start moving around and and all these teams start you know joining other teams and they they switch around, they're not going to make progress. They might not get better. Getting bet get, winning a championship, you even ask the you. Sometimes you got to lose before you get better, and no better way to get better than ask BIC to lose close, because then now you have the the work ethic and the hunger to do all the right things so that you can get over the top. And let's see if Snowtrap can put that together regardless of the roster. It's a fair point, Corey. And just 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 trample on all over each other this show. But uh when we look ahead to what's next with the A7FL, obviously more OTAs coming up, the Nevada Fall Brawl. But we've got our work cut out for us, Corey, because we're going to be crowning the first ever A7 All-7s, the All-7s teams, the All-Pro team, basically, of the A7FL. And we're going to put up on A7FLFantoken.com. That's A7FLFantoken.com a little later this week. Uh, once we are done with all the Michigas of the awards and all that other stuff and everyone getting mad at me and Corey uh, for reasons we don't necessarily understand, but we get it. Uh, we know who we are. And when we look ahead to the all-pro team, we want to know what your all-pro team is. So a little bit later on this week, once we get all the rules ironed out at a7flfantoken.com, we'll lay out how you can support the A7FL Fan Token. And also... Give us your ideas and some of the best and more interesting decisions that you put up there will be read right here on the show alongside your voicemail. So if you do want to go to the A7FL voicemail and make your teams known, you can do that as well. I know we always have some interesting callers, uh, whether they are across the world or right down the street It's or, you know, hang out on Pennsylvania Avenue every once in a while. But we'll have that over at A7FL fantoken.com and we pitched another idea on that site today and we want you guys to head on over there but we got a few suggestions we've been talking about different team names and we've been trying to figure out with indianapolis coming into the league Corey, some team names you know like uh the indianapolis race cars uh the indianapolis 500 you know something like that something like cool might, interesting ties to the city what was that? The Indianapolis 500. That might be copyrighted. That might be. That might be. Maybe the 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 Indianapolis 700. You know, because we're sevens. Look, I'm down. I'm not a marketing genius. I have a microphone in front of me, and I'm I'm dancing here without a net. I'm Rob's not here, so it's just me and Corey, just two white guys talking at each other. Two guys who love to talk unchecked for long periods of time help me out here Corey. help me bail me out brother so let me just start this off i know this has been documented and um you know indianapolis i think you could maybe even call them like the brick the brickyard grout right like the grout in between the bricks uh, or uh you know you know if you win in indianapolis you drink a certain liquid so maybe we found where jordan davidson's gonna go and it could just be his Quite own possibly your favorite player in the league, the Indianapolis milk, right? Cause after you win that race, they don't give you champagne. You just drink the milk and Hey, it's a tradition. So, you know, who are we going to, to spoil that tradition? 
But I, I also want to just talk about some of the some of the the options that are still floating out there, right? Uh, one of the one of the ones we were talking about, I think, is the uh, I think it's a real team is in Reno, right? Can we say that or? Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what's going on with Reno. Well, I've heard that there might be a team, the Vegas Alienators. There, there is I, I in the know. fall. There's in the fall. Right. There'll be the Vegas Alienators and Corey. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if that's if that's really what they're going for. I know that they want to do the UFO thing, but it sounds like they just want to distance themselves from friends and family. <laughs> I think I would be, you know, Vegas, what Vegas, we were, we were workshopping like the Vegas arrival. That would be cool. Yeah. Or, uh, the, the Vegas contact. Nice. Um, or, or the, or the, or the Vegas aliens. And then it's just, you know, that's what they are. Not the alienators, which is a person mm-hmm. trying to, uh, you know, distance themselves. Uh, but, but also let's, let's also not forget maybe the best a seven FL name of all time. And and shout outs to my guys up here in uh, Mass and 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 the in the New England area. Check Facebook guys in that area because uh, you got to fill out this division. And I'm really pulling for one of the teams to be named the Boston Tea Party. And just for people who don't remember the joke, I will always repeat my great <laughs> jokes that I laugh at myself. We're gonna get Mr. T himself on board, and he is the logo. So it's just a profile, Mr. T. Big gold chain, black and gold are the colors. Let's be honest. They got a, just a big chain is the turnover chain, but they just wear it all the time. And uh, they're the Boston Tea Party. And, you know, no. I, 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 lo- I love it. I love it. But I do believe that there is the Boston Beans. That's an actual team that will be in this league. There's all the right, Red Claws. Beans. Denzel, I've talked about the Beans. I'm not, you know, what's going on with that bean, right? But that's fine. But let me say the red claws, that's a that's a that's a for sure winner logo. The I saw the jerseys looking nice. So guys, you're out there in the Northeast, whether you're on the Omegas and you're gonna, you know, send talent elsewhere or to our team. Let's let's get a, a, a full mass northeast division. Cause I know you guys got the talent out there to uh, do better than Corey Hammond could do at 0 and 7. But Red Claws, Boston, great. Now, you always say the 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 DC uh, Mambo sauce, but what are, what are some other, you know, divisions and and names we can float out there? Well, we can have the Washington Gridlock. Um, gridlock. That's that's a good see. one. That that's that's a nightmare, by the way, right? The the DC. Yes. What is it? The four ninety five circle, and then that's just the name of the team. <laughs> we were talking about a couple of New Jersey uh, names, right? We could go uh, the New Jersey Pollution. I, I like that. I'm a big fan of the North Jersey Stench. Ooh. I think I think that would work. Um, when if, if they're when from the look- south, they could be the Pine Barrens. The the Pine Barrens, you know. You know, I don't know something about with the bodies. The Pine Barrens ketchup packets, the Pine Barrens vans. No, I was gonna say the Pine Barrens. You know, that's where the mob buries everybody. So I would say yes. I was, I was, I, I was making Sopranos references, sweetheart. It's okay. All right. Well, that 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 one I didn't. 
I didn't catch. But yes, so the the we'll we'll do the New Jersey family. They're the family. Mm. Now, but actually, on Instagram, on A7FL's Instagram, we got a couple of ones here. Uh, Rastaman eight seven six flash. That's his Instagram handle, by the way, folks. The three hundred five steppers underscore va underscore most underscore campion underscore love love that love love reading things like that the rancho cucamonga cracker killers shout out next friday uh the fort worth elite elite and dallas aztecs from cam underscore 4119 yusuf the kid the jersey jokers the new york stallions a yo uh, and then hey, DG Cult, a a Corey Hammond jersey owner, Massachusetts Mafia, Warriors, Hell Stars, Nightmares. I don't know if those are individual names, or he's just looking to cover the gamut with one team name. Because then it's, I think if you just absorb teams, it's got to be like the law firm thing, or like in a merger, like how Viacom CBS and CBS are now like Viacom CBS or CBS Viacom, yes. and like it's. Saperstein, McDonough, and Johansson, and they bring on another name partner. So at some point, it could be the Insomniacs over the top pit bosses hunters for uh, force. I feel well, like that should be a thing. Well, just to I'm confirm, also deranged. Just to confirm, OTT still alive. So I did the whole <laughs> thing where I pronounced them dead, and then they called me and were like, "Bro, what up?" So I apologize. I jumped the gun a little bit there. I maybe I maybe I got carried away. I went over the top with it. Ah, yeah, that was a bad one. So, <laughs> so well, let's let's talk the about the over the top for a second. Aside from the fact that you kill the team, I don't know what level of fine that is that we put in the David Isaac's memorial reference jar. He's not dead. I just like thinking about him because he's a friend. Uh, when we look at Savion Cunningham, who won Returner of the Year, uh, very rightfully, in my opinion, he is leaving the OTT for the fall and joining uh, Trey Robinson and Tone Smith. That's what Facebook and, says, right? Yeah. I did talk to G Heard though, when he called, he called me yesterday to kind of, you know, correct my, you know, incorrect, uh, you know, pronunciation of uh, passing. He said he's not sure. He 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 said he talks to Savion, so we'll see how that plays out. I think it's uh, you know, it's a game of cat and mouse in the A seven FL. Sometimes you think you got a guy on your roster, and then all of a sudden he shows up on Sunday wearing somebody else's jersey. So fall can't get here quick enough because we we do need football. But there's a lot of there's a lot of juicy rumors going around, and we'll see how things shake out. But Savion Cunningham, returner of the year, deservingly wins that award, I think. There was a lot of really great returners, even out just in Vegas. Um, I, I think, you know, obviously we think of Shanti Worthy. Tierre Edwards, Lavish T. There was an argument that he was the winner. We were actually checking film and making sure. But uh, shout-outs to Savion. That's, that's we had, we had Cole ball. Gardella, who was a part of, who did all the stat finding alongside David Soberman for that. Cole... When we were looking at Returner of the Year, what was the one thing that would put hypothetically Savion Cunningham over a lavish T. Tyre Edwards? I think the main thing that puts Savion above lavish would be that the fact that his returns 
basically kept the OTT in games or made their scores more respectable in their blowout losses. The sick win, obviously, only lost to the Insomniacs. The OTT lost to um, significantly more teams than that. Um, like, just for example, in the game where the OTT played the sick win, um, uh, Savion had four return touchdowns in that game. Um, they weren't documented in the stat so. system, unfortunately, but uh, that would have, like, doubled his return touchdowns on the year. Well, and and I think the other thing uh, that that kind of gets missed is obviously the three on one as a play is exciting to watch. It's fun. We get a lot of our best highlights from it. But the way that it actually affects a football game is is, is twofold. When a team goes up, right? Let's say you know team A scores a t- touchdown to go up fourteen points. A lot of times, that's a huge differential. And ask, ask the Insomniacs, right? Ask the, the, the you when they played the Watchmen. Ask the Watchmen when they played the Nightcrawlers. When it gets to that 14-point spread, you're all of a sudden thinking the game might be out of reach. When you score a touchdown to go up, Savion had a lot of those returns that he gave his team life in a moment in which you just got a touchdown scored on you if you're OTT. And now the team, whatever it was, is now you're down because that team just scored on you. When you can answer back without taking any time off the clock, what that does is it completely erases anything that that team just did. It's an equalizer in momentum. What, what, what Lavish T was doing a lot for sick with it is when a team would start to come back and maybe close the gap from 14 to 7, where they where they're feeling like they're they got moment they're trying to get momentum back. You score that that touchdown to erase what you know hard work that a team built to get there when they're already down. That keeps the momentum on your side. So that three on one is is such a, a momentum swinging or or you know stopping play. I think the reason we gave it to Savion is Savion stood for hope. Lavish, when he's returning a lot of his for stick with it, it's more like just establishing dominance. Without Savion, OTT probably would have quit a lot earlier in a lot of those games. And no disrespect to my guys, I shouted them out. But we saw, we saw how it looks when they're playing a team like the Insomniacs. <laughs> they're playing Rochambeau real quick. If they didn't have Savion <laughs> giving them hope on those three-on-ones, you know, maybe even, listen, maybe even take – all of their their close games out because he meant so much more than just the six points that he was able to put on the board in those returns. He was the hope of, of the rest of the players on the team that they actually should continue to try hard because they had a chance with that guy on their team. And you know, Shante Worthy was the other finalist in that in that uh in that returner category, hard to root against him, hard to say anything negative about Ashante Worthy. But this year, you know, not to say that the return defenses in Vegas were necessarily on super hard God mode, but they were difficult. And we saw three great returners, especially Donye Lyons, who came into the race a little bit later on in the season for the Las Vegas Insomniacs. But when you look at Worthy, 
he had coming off an offensive player of the year or MVP caliber season, however you want to call it. He had some great games this year, but I think the pressure and certain things, just that things weren't there. And also they rotate returners. BIC have a few different guys who can make that kind of return case on Campbell. Uh, you have uh, Trey Cohen. You have a, have several people on the BIC who could do that. So I think when you got into the stats and you saw the value of that person, the amount of returns they got, the amount, like the the cornerstone they were to that special teams. And that kind of extends into a question I had, Corey, listening to you talk, um, which is how I usually formulate my questions because I can go through an entire thought process. Kidding. I love you. But when we're looking at free agency this year, and we kind of look at the hierarchy of needs for teams in this league. Can a team like the Snow Tribe or the Animals losing Huff, would a returner like a Savion Cunningham, like a hypothetical Ashante Worthy, Donye Lyons, a player like that joining their team, is that enough to get them to in back into playoff contention or even trying to level up because I think returners in the conversation with quarterback and offensive linemen as three of the key pieces you need to win a championship that you might be the exception because they've had people who can take it back uh but not with the frenetic pace or consistency that we've well, seen recently, out mean, of the Moore, nominees Moore this year probably- Moon is probably the guy that first pioneered that play to be as impactful. Uh, Kareem Moon is the Ashanti Worthy before Ashanti Worthy was playing in the A7FL, and he was still probably playing Pop Warner um, in Freehold. So it, it's just been a while for you, but I'll say this. Who's, who's the guy for the Watchmen? That was, it was Marcellus Pack, but we didn't see yeah, much not, of him not this the year. Watchman, right? So the, the Maryland guy is is Pack money, but he didn't. He, it wasn't for the Watchmen, so they they rotated. I mean, you you at you know who's the guy for the animals? They rotated, so so you could still be a competitive team and not have one of those guys at returner. Um, but, but how much better come- does that make you? Because the I, OTT I think, think without Savion Cunningham aren't aren't making the playoffs. Well, they aren't right now this, presently constructed. This, if you got a guy, if you got a guy that can score on a three-on-one, that means you also have a guy on the offensive side of the ball that can make an open field play if you get him the ball in space. So having that type of a player is obviously huge. I wouldn't limit it to just returner because, as you know, look at look at Donye Lyons. He's not an offensive playmaker as much as the the plays he made on the defensive side of the ball. But I would argue some of the, some of the way some of the ways that the Insomniacs won that game was from plays that that kind of get lost in the mix, like from Donye Lyons on the defensive side of the ball, and having the ability and the athleticism and the speed and and the agility to effectively return a three on one for a touchdown. It means that you're probably good at football in other aspects. So the reason that Savion is so valuable is because. Anytime he has the ball in his hands in the open field, he can score. So you get him the ball in offense, you get him the ball in the three-on-one. That's the thing. I think if, like, let's say this. If you take Huff and put him on Snow Tribe 
or you or you don't put Huff on Shino Tribe and you put Ashanti Worthy on Shino Tribe and force him to play every other position except for quarterback. Because I think what people don't realize is that if, if, if they put Ashanti Worthy at quarterback for the Shino Tribe, then he would be a monster at quarterback. But let's just say he can't play quarterback. What makes a bigger difference for a team like the Shino Tribe? Having a quarterback like Huff or not having a quarterback like Huff, having a guy like Keels, but having a guy like Ashanti Worthy, which would you prefer or which team, which which version of Snow Tribe do you think is a better team if one or the other? Because I think the quarterback, obviously, well, what would you say? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I, I, I think that quarterback is probably first, most important position on yeah. an A7FO roster. I would say you can make the argument for pass rusher, or offensive playmaker scoring type playmaker. Not, you know, there's there's other types of playmakers in offense. There's like RTC that's a control the ball, you know, you know, bell cow, you know, 150 yard rushing type of running back. That's very valuable. But I would say having a guy like David Clark who can score on one play on offense, it changes the way you have to play defense against that team. Having a guy like Ashanti Worthy, where you basically have to account for him with two guys. It makes the job for Courage or Kaysan Campbell or whoever else easier. The offensive line, I think, is up there. But having that three-on-one guy be one of those playmakers on offense as well, you fill two roles that are, are, are extremely impactful in the A7. So I would, I would rank it like that. But I, I, would be, I would be interesting to kind of play that out. What matters more to the Schnow tribe? Is it getting a top-end playmaker that they can score any play? or shoring up the, the, the leadership in the quarterback position with uh, the type of player that turned the 0-7 animals into the fourth best team in the Northeast. So is that I, ch- when it comes to when it comes to quarterback and playmaker, uh, and this might exclude running backs or an RTC like player, but is it six of one half dozen of the other? Uh, I think, you know, when you have a Shante and Stereo, that's a completely different conversation because that's our, you know, our Montana and Rice. But when you look at what Huff was able to do this year with the animals. Right. And you see those different kind of situations pop up. Does does that help make a star wide receiver? Because if you have somebody like, let's say, Ashante goes to the Snow Tribe, but you don't have a huff or a stary there you have a guy a level or two below them right you have the average star you know the composite quarterback that we've seen a kenneth stewart type a guy who's not naturally a quarterback or maybe even a carlos crosland does that put you in the same position does that does that solve your problems because how about this i I don't know if it does you said Carlos Carlson, no disrespect, had a great season when he was able to play, and things happened, and he beat BIC. He had, he had a lot to, lot to praise. How effective of a playmaker was a guy like Pat Coburn this year compared to years past? Not, not as much. He wasn't as present. He wasn't as prevalent. We saw him in fits and spurts. A lot of it was... Croslin trying to take the game into his own hands and Croslin admitted it on this podcast and in other, you know, appearances, he was set up to be the wide receiver for this, for that team. 
He was made the quarterback right before week one after the Watchmen were finalized and everybody who was com- mostly everybody who was coming over from Baltimore to the U, except for Snags, Carlos Croslin, and I think maybe one or two other people, ended up just going to the Watchmen. And Croslin had to step in. And Croslin, for a guy who we were maligning the year before against the BIC in that playoff game, where he felt completely out of depth, he stepped into that leadership role and played some really solid football and yeah, did that, a lot of hard work. Yeah, and, and he deserves praise. And this is not to denigrate his his contribution to the U's season this year. Because to be clear, they made it further than than the team that the quarterback that left them was able to make. But that, that doesn't matter. What I'm asking, what to answer your question about Ashanti or or the quarterback, how did Matt Coburn look this year compared to years that we've seen him have quarterbacks throwing the ball? Not as good. I'll ask you this: since a certain guy, you know, since a certain guy left the Renegades after the 2021 season, have we heard big things from guys like Dondre Haynes or Kenneth Stewart at the wide receiver position? No, and and, and I, I think that, that the court. I don't want to mention who that quarterback was, but as soon as that quarterback left, all of a sudden it seemed like Abe Ibrahim Elbana, who in 2021 was one of the top receivers as far as catches and yards. I don't think he's had a multiple catch game since that quarterback left. I mean, you know, you- because well, it also comes down to pre like putting a premium on things because you look at the fact that. There are a ton of guys in EA7FL with track star speed. Not a lot of them with pinpoint accuracy or experience behind center or experience with a pocket that is what two Corey, you average like 1.7 seconds in the pocket. And I don't know what the average was, but it was probably somewhere under two to 2.75 2.75 seconds watching some and, of the quarterbacks out in vegas that that average might be two minutes because i've seen guys spend a whole a whole game back there um with no time so we might have to there, there's a skewed number there but let's not even we've been talking about the northeast in this scenario let's let's put it to the other the other side of the ball check out our guys other i was, gonna, I was actually going to bring up ohio because when you take a look at Cincinnati and you look at the chaos, there's a lot of questions about Keno Thomas, who we had on the show uh, earlier this year, about what he's going to do next. Very much in the same boat as Carlos Croslin, to where he was primarily a wide receiver, stepped into the quarterback role, and now the chaos are going through some cosmetic, I would say, changes to their structure. Now they have a play caller and a head coach. Looks well, like there's some new players coming in. Yeah, they're building. They're, they they got a they got a guy from the they got a guy they call Trench Baby out there, and I'm just calling it now. Uh, he's a difference maker. Um, the, the chaos problem was is their offense got into bad habits because they could so easily beat their competition that Keno Thomas at the quarterback position didn't progress as a playmaker from the pocket or as a passer because he was never in a position where he had to. He was more athletic than every guy that he was looking at on the defensive side of the ball, waited until he found a seam, and then made defenses pay basically by just doing whatever 
he felt like in that moment because he's playing against guys that you know wake up on a monday morning <laughs> and punch a clock you know for some union um you know with with work boots on you know and the, i wouldn't say that their their number one spot is the gym getting better at football but when the chaos faced the insomniacs you know thomas was not able to ad lib and just do what he wanted um he was baptized in the name of all that is holy of a7 um, he was tough enough to get up every single time. And let's credit Keno Thomas for that. And eventually they were able to start making a couple of plays here and there. But what they need is for somebody to press them, to push them, to get them better so that they don't fall into those kind of lazy, easy, oh, these, these teams are just trash. Let's just roll out of anything and we'll beat this team. Because at the championship level, you saw what happened to you know teams when they got to that level. You need a, a deep roster, you need in, innovative play calling, you need grit, you need toughness, and you need a championship heart. And the Watchmen, great team. They gave the Nightcrawlers all they could handle. They lost to the Nightcrawlers. The Nightcrawlers, great team. They basically had Insomniacs, dead to rights, Quincy Burks. So, you know, the, the chaos need a lot. I think they're, they're, their idea is that we need to get better. We, we, we trash them for, you know, getting rings and everything. They deserve some praise for a, an inaugural season in which they made it as far as they did. They looked as impressive as they did against the people that they, they had to play. It's not like they had a choice. But I think they, I think, um, you know, my guy, Robert Minji, um, Skyler Herb, Brent Smothers, and all the new guys they're bringing in there, I think they know they need to get better. So I think, I think that what they're doing is that process in which I was talking about with Snow Tribe. The Chaos weren't going to win year one, period. They weren't. They weren't good enough. But you know what? I don't think that they're now looking at it as a failure, but they, they've seen the target. Now they're working towards that. And, and you look at a guy like Keno Thomas. If Keno can make that many plays from the quarterback position, Imagine if the quarterback that they say they're bringing in, which is supposed to be a, a semi-pro guy that's got a, you know, got a great reputation. Let's imagine him being good and being able to use Keno at that position that he's used to. Maybe guys like, you know, maybe some of those other guys like Ted Redman and, and some of the guys over there uh, can get a chance because their quarterback's throwing in the ball on time with design plays. I don't know. I mean, they might have to, you know, get a running back that's not going to prioritize semi-pro and get 180 yards, and then the next game is an A7 game, and he gets negative two and then sits out because it's actual contact now, and, and he's not playing adult Pop Warner. But I think the chaos know that they need to get better, and whether it's, you know, using things like Drizzy Pope, feeling like he got snubbed for Defensive Player of the Year, or you know, silly conversations back and forth of who their coach is or who they're bringing in or whatever Tylus is doing out there with uh, uh, inside the lines with all those memes. If they're using all of that to fuel, to work harder and get better, that, that's what it takes to be a champion. Now, do they have what it takes? We'll see. But, you know, go, going back to what we're talking about with Snow Tribe, you can add all the players you want. You can add a coaching staff full of 12 guys. If you don't put a plan together and you don't put the work in, it, it just looks like window dressing on, show, on social media. And uh, when we talk about people trying to get opportunities, 
One person, Corey, that much like when you dragooned me into racing Casey Cox, and I won twice, by the way, uh, we dragooned our own Zach Morgan and Cole Gardella. Zach is our VOG this week. He's our producer, so we're not going to burden him with questions because, to be quite honest, he's pissed off. Uh, not at anything in particular, just the fact that producing this show is a very stressful endeavor. Um <laughs> <laughs> but we have Cole with us uh, joining us through the audio chat, and we'll have some voicemails. I feel like we have two voicemails in the hopper, so we'll get to those in a minute. But Cole, first off, we we dragged you into playing in the Snow Tribe uh, OTAs uh, because you yourself are an athlete. You were the focus, the star of the last podcast me, Rob, and Corey did together that actually aired. Uh, and we were at your ultimate game, which was about three to four days before the Snow Tribe OTA, and you were feeling pretty good ahead of it. What were your thoughts walking into that uh, into that first practice? Well, as someone who's never played a down or snap or whatever you want to call it of organized football in their life, um, I was a little nervous, but um, you know I have some athleticism. Obviously, my age and the sport I play being ultimates, you know some of the skill set things translate. Um, so you know I wasn't expecting to be you know some dominant like uh, Himothy out there, but um, you know I figured I would you know see what I can do, and I figured I, if if I at least um, kept my own, then that would be a win for me. Now, one of the things that I loved out there, especially when you were breaking it down afterwards, is you know, there's the individual drills, you know, it's, it's, it's a different feel. You're just kind of competing with your athleticism, but then it, it, it ticked up a notch once it got to uh, the, the live seven on sevens, where it was football offense versus football defense. There's a huddle. And, and one of the guys in the huddle was maybe the greatest play caller and maybe the greatest quarterback in our league's history. Tell me a little bit about what it was like as, you know, coming from, your background, like you said, you know football. We talk about the NFL all the time. You're like you're like me when I was in college. You know every player on on, on you know from one to fifty three on all the rosters. We were playing that game when we were driving home from Arizona. I was like, geez, I got to remember some of these guys. So you know the game. <laughs> Tell me what it's like being either in the huddle or or watching the huddle and seeing one of the greatest of all in our league's history work that close and that personal. I mean. The way Huff is just able to command that offense, and he didn't play with, as far as I'm aware, he didn't he play with any of those players last year. The way he was able to command them, and, like, he wasn't, like, it wasn't, like, you know, I'm taking this shit over. It was very relaxed, and he was, like, you know what? Like, this is the play we're going to run. Oh, leadership was extremely prevalent. Um, he's, like, this is the play we're going to run, and it worked. And, honestly, if it's a quarterback that's not Huff, I feel like a couple of the plays that were made do not happen. Um, especially the r ridiculous throws in the run. Yeah. Now, you also got a Was chance it? to see a couple of plays just, on the other side from one of the other guys. How how many picks was it? No, I'm just joking. Go ahead, man. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say, how was it catching a pass from Huff? Because I was watching you guys throw around, and he has this oomph on the ball. And Corey, you throw the ball... Fairly hard, but you make it a catchable ball. Yes, very catchable. Uh, I just wanted to know the difference between... What are you laughing at? 
No, it's just funny. Huff, Huff can throw the ball 80 yards, so he's obviously got more zip. But yeah. it, I, I heard you saying it, and you felt like you had to address me. <laughs> you don't. It's fine. <laughs> because I, I, you're my quarterback, literally, I I in most you. situations. You've been throwing me the footy ball. Wow. Yeah, to quote um, Zach, every single pass he threw to either one of us hit us directly in the hands. And it's a perfect spiral every time, and it looks like he puts no effort into it. It looks like he's given 25%, and if he gives 25% and it's, like, that good of a throw, you know, and, you know, we, we've seen him at 100% when he plays, when he goes out there and plays in the league. But it's just incredible. Well, and what's funny is, is that my impression of Huff is that he looks like it's easy. Listen, none of that's easy, but that's how he plays when he's playing his hardest and he's winning championships. So I think it's just the level of talent at athleticism. But then, then you kind of go, you know, there were, there were other guys there. There, there was uh, some other things going on, Cole. Who else, as far as, you know, maybe one of the other guys that was out there kind of stood out to you when you were, when you were either facing them or, or watching them work? Um, probably be Tony. Uh, he was the Snow Tribe player I did the first drill with. Um, and he was um, extremely understanding of like, you know, I didn't have no experience with any type of football before. And he's like, oh, you play ultimate though? This, this should come kind of naturally to you. Um, and we did the drill and I didn't drop a pass in the first drill. And you know what? I would take that as a win. But um, yeah, Tony was fantastic to work with. Keels was great. Um, and just, I mean, everyone there was like extremely welcoming. Yeah, th those guys, those guys, I give, I, if you listen to the audio only pod on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are sold, um, there is a lot of the, the audio that we were working on that day. Um, you know, there's a couple of uh, digs in there. And, and I give Snow Tribe a lot of uh, flack, but I will say, that as much as I try to trash them because of my uh, personal vendetta, because I'm you know a little bit selfish in that that you know part of my psyche, uh, they were welcoming. Those guys are great, and they they even welcomed me back. I was out there working with these guys, and uh, you know shout outs to them. I think they're doing the right things. They're working. Now, last question I have for you, Cole, um, because nobody knows this, but before the U played BIC. We were out in the field, and uh, you you were about to go one on one against uh, Neon Dion Davis, um, and you also <laughs> got a chance to run a route against uh, hard body Marcus McKinney. Now the the results of those two plays uh, might vary, but now that you've stood toe to toe with the Snow Tribe, do you think you have a little bit more confidence if you were to face those guys on the U as well? Uh. Damn, I don't really think I want any receipts on my part. Uh, <laughs> Smart man. But, you know, I feel like I, I'm not going to say I would, I'm not going to say I would, you know, cook him or anything like that, but I feel like I would definitely do better than I did before the BICU game. And just for the record, I did get that deflection off hard body. I will take that That's to the right. grave. That's right. Now, I, I had nothing to do with it. 
But yeah, definitely wasn't an underthrown pass. <laughs> no, definitely seriously, not. Cole, Cole, and, Cole and Zach went out there, and and I said it on the audio pod, but I'll say this again. I, I, I'm just observing because uh, I, I did enough throws, I think, that I, I impressed enough people. I threw zero picks, by the way. Um, I was the only quarterback that could say that there. Um, what was that too much? No, but but they, they were watching Zach. Uh, there was a, a group of three guys, and, and I quote, yo, white boy is out there catching the ball. And, uh, you know, what I will say is, is that as, as hard as it is out there and as much as you guys look like, you know, it, it wasn't easy. I think you guys represented well for the booth. So, you know, we'll, if, if Rob was here, he pressed that button on Discord for the round of applause. But I'm just going to go like this because you guys did a great job. And, um, you know, it, it gave me something to uh, gave me something to do on a Sunday. That's for sure. Certainly. And shirt, so why not? Yeah, it's true. And you didn't force any passes on like, uh, never mind. Thank you to Zach and Cole for having an awesome experience. I know these guys want to keep doing it, but I do have to remind them, uh, you work for me. So uh, once the season comes, uh, you won't be in the snow tribe. You will be in the booth making sure we stay on the air. Hey, I got an ultimate Frisbee season to play for. You know, shout out to the Stevens ultimate Frisbee team. Just going to get that out there right now. Well, yeah, keep keep on trucking, Zach. No, that's awesome. Uh, really, I'm really glad you guys are going to continue working out with them. Uh, but uh, you like either find your own up. replacement for the team or you find your own replacement for the snow trap. But, Corey, what were you going to say? Well, I might even keep showing up for the snow trap because it's like it's like the undead. You can't cut what's already been cut, so they can't cut me. If they <laughs> cut me. I'm, just, I'm just the... <laughs> the zombie version of the Turk walking around like, I'm already cut. They're being like, oh, you're going to throw the ball? But then Huff showed up, and then everybody wasn't paying attention to me. So you can't cut what's already been cut. What is cut may never be cut again, that, to, to quote uh, a, a Game of Thrones almost reference. I think he, I, just, I think he just did that, yeah. What did I do? I missed it. You appointed yourself to the snow tribe for the season. Oh no, no, no! I'm just saying they can't cut me again. So why not? That's true. You're the, you are you're the you're the snow tribe zombie. But all this is leading to something because we're gonna get the voicemails after this. But this December, the last full week of December, will be the A7FL free agency free for all right here on A7FL.tv and wherever podcasts are sold. Quattro Huffin has confirmed that on that show, he will announce where he's playing in the 2024 spring season. Uh, I've gotten some confirmation from some other clubs across the A7FL and some interesting moves going on in the background that'll be interesting to see what happens next on the path to the 10th A7FL championship and the 10th season of the A7FL starting in early 2024, right around late March, early April. But... It's time for voicemails here on the podcast. We only have two calls this week. I know we'll have some more next week on the show when we have Rob back, when he is not stopping uh, people from being butts. He, he is doing his job to stop people from being butts. But if you do want to be a part of the conversation, if you do want to give us a call on the voicemail line, 
You certainly should, because you can see it there on the screen when we pop up our voicemail little gimmick. Uh, so, Zach, yeah, drop got the so first much to say about our show. You're allowed to now. Go for it. It's time to do some voicemails here on the podcast, and you can do that by calling the number on your screen. And let's start. We got two this week. Let's hear that first one. Matt, go fuck yourself, all right? I heard that last option, and I had to go for it, so there's that. But secondly, I just seen Corey's post, and it says leave you a voicemail. Um, yeah, I like the postseason stuff. I really got into it. Um, there's a lot going on. I'm glad that I'm glad that that shit's here right now. You guys keep doing a great job, and you know. Keep doing your thing. Um, th- big things are coming. Big, big things are coming. Corey. <laughs> I love you, Corey. Peace out. Was that person coming out of a major dental surgery? I don't know. Because I. He definitely seems chill, like he's a California dude. <laughs> like, yeah, man. But anyway, good job, bros. Hey, hey, we love we love the love, we love the hate. Just give us a call. Surfer Corey's a new character on the show. Yeah, man. <laughs> Yo, people, people, people from our our family, the eight seven NFL family, actually were were wishing me well when all that crazy stuff was going on in the West Coast, and I had to clarify just because I have the long hair, it doesn't mean that I'm from the West Coast, but. Hey, appreciate the love. You said there's two calls, though, right? Let, let, yeah, we've got one more voicemail. Let's go to that voicemail. Let's see what happens. I may or may not be bringing a former NFL wide receiver with me to the A7FL. Can we, can we hear that again? I may we or can't may hear not it. be bringing it, a former NFL wide receiver with me to the A7FL. One I more time, crank it full blast. Bringing a former NFL wide receiver with me to the A7 NFL. Do it one more time. I know. I, I, I may I just... or may not be bringing a former NFL wide receiver with me to the A7 NFL. Why does it sound like that? It's so unseemly. Like he's saying it like Hannibal Lecter. Wide receiver with me to the A7 Stop it! Now I don't like it anymore. I don't like that. No. Keep doing I haven't it. said I want my mommy in like 30 years. Why do you keep encouraging things that hurt me? So what do we break down? I thought we were friends. We are friends. Fuck you. This is good entertainment. I mean, listen, this, this, this input to the A7FL universe is more impactful. Just those, those what? 30 seconds but but i i want to i want to walk through the anatomy of that call it's really bad but go person ahead. calling does not say who they are well, or where they're from awful sports talk radio caller etiquette one strike yes second of all they act that that means they act like we know who this is we don't know who this is I, you're just I calling know. us i know who would who would have the audacity to, to 
foul up our beautiful show with that filth. And the only reason it worked at all is because your reaction to it was so guttural because of how offensive it was to everything that we try to be. But I digress. Go on, man. It's uncomfortable. It was unseemly. It just, it and now I'm just like, saying I may or may not be bringing an NFL wide receiver in. Like it's a page six blind item. Like my man is, oh, what? Linda Stasi, the chick who wrote for page six in the New York Post. That's right. I made a print journalism reference in 2023. I may, may not be bringing a former NFL wide receiver with me today. That's so all that. serial killer vibes right there. That's BTK right there. That is, that's creepy. Allegedly, now, I wouldn't go that far. Don't yeah, get no, assumed. Yes, there's a reason food. why I say words the way I say words, Corey. Yeah, and there's a reason why I, I have I have zero regard for it. I try. Um, but all right, so I think that to to be fair, I'm pretty sure that that's a quarterback that A right now does not have an A7 NFL roster that he can call his own. B no. This hypothetical person that I'm pretty sure it is, is playing in a league right now that I saw footage of, and my guy was playing shoulder pads, raw dog, no jersey, out there just flapping. <laughs> out there in the field looking like hawk and or animal? No, look, looking like Bebop from friggin' uh, from, from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, that's yeah. somehow worse. One of the teenage from Bebop and Rocksteady. So, so, like, all right, so, so. By the way, that person, raw dog, no jersey, just shoulder pads flapping, more plays than the person that, that we're talking about. And so that, that person that knows an NFL wide receiver can bring one into our league, do it. I'd love that. But the, the quarterback in question should probably have 10 career completions in the A7 NFL before making claims about wide receivers he's bringing or a, a, a roster that he calls his own. But, you know, I, somehow we keep perpetuating this person. But you know what? More than anything, thank you for the call. It gave yeah, us th now. thanks. Oh, what NFL wide receiver is it? Like, it could be Don Maynard, who's dead. Uh, yeah, it, mean, could it could be... be it, it could be Fred Bolitnikoff. It's possible. It could be Al Toon. It could be TJ Hushmanzada. It could be Ishmael Rocket. Listen, you know, we don't know where this person's from. There could be a certain substance that they're ingesting, and it could be a figment of this person's imagination. That is just as likely as an actual NFL wide receiver. Not that that not that there isn't talk of, of NFL caliber players playing in our league. No, that's something that I would believe. Playing for this quarterback, we were just talking about how important it is as a playmaker to have a quarterback to get you the ball. Let's just say if you wanted to catch passes in a spring league, your quarterback wouldn't have to be refrigerated to stay good and, and even then have an expiration date. So good call. Though. And on that note, and then on that note, we're going to pasteurize ourselves for the next seven days. And the next time we'll be back with you, we'll have more video and more conversation about the A7FL. Rob might be back. Corey is over the moon that this is how we end the show. I don't. I just, <laughs> just don't know looks... how we keep talking about this person. Because I'll explain why off the air. Uh, listen, it, yeah, it's con it's pro season content, brother. Listen, we got seven months till the season starts. The 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 publicity team for this player 
needs an award ASAP because based on this player's play, there should not be this much conversation. So let's just end it like this. Shout outs to my Snow Tribe guys. I think they're even starting to pod because they saw me try out. So they were like, hey, if he can do something, then we can do it. So you can't cut what's not cuttable. I've already been cut. Well, for the uncuttable Corey Hammond, I am the moil of racing, finding my way in scissor, finding a way to dissect my way through my competition, Matt Ryan. For our producer, Zach Morgan, for our guest, our guest, Cole Gardella, and for Big Rob Fabian on assignment in Bachata Land tonight. I want to say thank you so much. Be sure to join us every single week if you haven't liked, commented, and subscribed to the show yet, or to our YouTube channel, or our page on Caffeine. What are you doing? Why are you being a dick? Don't be a dick. But also be sure to watch games back right here on Caffeine and A7FL.TV. The Road to Fall Brawl goes down now. Be sure to like and follow us across social media. Check the link in the description on how you can get a free week of Skillshare. And also go to tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. That is tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. Get stuff with our faces on it. It's not that weird. But until next time, I'm Matt Ryan saying as always, don't be an asshole. I'll try. No, you won't. Hey there, it's Matt Ryan. Are you enjoying this A7FL podcast? Well, I'm glad you are, because that means you can give us money. That's right. You can buy our merch right now at tinyurl.com slash a7fl merch that's tinyurl.com slash a7fl merch up there right now we have some thick boy season merchandise we've got some hus hus shirts and also we've got some Corey hammond related merchandise coming soon a Corey hammond Corey hammond's t-shirt hoodie and a whole lot more you can get all of them right now sent to you nice comfy and cozy at tinyurl.com slash a7fl merch and also you can find it in the show notes Now back to that podcast you like.